Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Your hosts are Becky Olson and Sharon Hennepin. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, their friends and family with the resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here are your hosts, Sharon and Becky. Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. I'm Sharon Hennepin. I'm a 25-year breast cancer survivor, certified life coach, and the author of Thriving Beyond Cancer. And I've been gone for the last couple of weeks, and I just wanted to thank Bill Olson for kind of filling in for me as my co-host, or as Becky's (laughs) (laughs) co-host. And he's done a great job No, nobody can replace Sharon. I'm glad you're back, Sharon. God bless you. He's actually listening in because he was trying to listen to the show live and he couldn't get to the app correctly. So he's listening in live again like he did the last two weeks. So he might chime in from time to time, but that's okay. Anyway, my name is Becky Olson. I'm a five-time, 23-year survivor of advanced stage breast cancer. I'm also a motivational speaker and the author of The Hat That Saved My Life. Sharon and I are the co-founders of Breast Friends. And Sharon, I have to admit, I am really glad you're back too. You know, you add so much to the show and I know our listeners have, have missed you tremendously as have I. <laughs> so <laughs> listen, before we get started, I'm gonna I, I want to talk about something that's a little bit different for us. You know, we I I've been a Christian for many, many years and um, and has Sharon. We don't get really deep into spiritual content on this show um, because, you know, we have a, a diversified audience, but but sometimes I think there's certain things that, that really are important and need to be said. And, um, you know, I've been battling breast cancer for 23 years now. This is my fifth battle, and this one's kind of serious. It's in my lung now, my right lung, and we are working really hard to try to make this go away. Um, I went through my the first phase of a trial, and it didn't quite go as planned, so they moved me to the second phase of a trial. It also didn't go as planned, so they put me on a, the standard of care drug, um, which was also very harsh. And so now, as of today, I'm starting on a, a new dose of that. But um, this new standard of care drug, its goal is not to remove the cancer, but to slow it down. And um, and so, you know, it's been kind of a, a, an interesting journey for me personally, there are people all over this country, and I am so thankful, who are praying for me daily. And some, I get phone calls from people just reminding me that they're still praying for me. But the one thing I haven't done yet, well, I have now, but I hadn't done, is to ask personally for healing from God. Because I, I've never been a name it and claim it Christian, you know, one who just tells God what I want and expect him to just give it to me, because it's still up to him. And I know that, and I've known it my whole life, basically, that it's it's up to him to decide if he wants to give something to me. But I was reminded recently, why wouldn't he give it to me? He loves me. And so I, but I need to ask. And so I've asked for healing, and I ex- I'm asking with expectation that he is going to heal me. And a couple days ago, I did something kind of miraculous happened. I was able to take my dog for a walk at a fast pace for Quite, quite a distance. It's been really a struggle for me to do that because my joints and everything in me hurt. So um, that was really cool to just be able to put on my, my running shoes and take my dog for a fast-paced walk. He loved it. I wasn't walking like an old lady, like I've been feeling like very much, like I'm 95 years old or something. Uh, but it, it was really incredible. So, you know, I think it's important that we ask God for the for healing at times like this. And and my husband's been very supportive 
of that. And uh, so I just wanted to say that, you know, I, I know not everybody believes, but um, I think that, that it's important to say it because when God does heal me, this is going to be quite a uh, miracle story to be able to share. And I think that's... It'll just add to your speaking stuff, right? <laughs> It'll just be one more element you can add. Yeah. The, the, when you told me this a couple of days ago, I was reminded of a little book I read a long time ago, but this particular story sat with me and I just always kind of hold it in my heart. Um, it was a little book called Prayer of Jabez, and there's a four four sentence prayer, basically, um, in the middle of all the bagats <laughs> in the Bible. You know, somebody begot somebody else and whatever, whatever. And, you know, I kind of always skipped over that part because <laughs> it was always hard for me. But the prayer Jabez is like right in the middle of that. And they created a little book. And Bruce Wilkinson, I believe, if my memory right. serves me correctly, was, yeah. is the author. And one of the chapters talked about all the blessings that God has in store for us. And I won't go through the whole story, but ultimately, uh, you know, this guy dies and, you know, St. Peter uh, meets him at the pearly gates and takes him on a tour. And there's this huge warehouse that he just really wants to see. Finally gets around to it. And when he opens the door, there are all these tiny little white boxes with red ribbons on them. And he looks closer at them and he realizes there's names on every single one of these boxes. So he looks at St. Peter's and like, is there one for me? And so he runs through the warehouse, he finds his box and he opens it up and he's like, what, what are all these things? And basically those were all the blessings that God had in store for him that he never asked for. And that has always stuck with me. And when Becky said to me that she has claimed that healing, that's a blessing that she hadn't asked for yet. And wouldn't it have been sad had she gotten to the pearly gates and found her little white box with a red ribbon on it, um, and realized that her cancer healing was in that box. Yeah, that's a tearjerker <laughs> for me. Yeah, so, um, absolutely. And- so I'm so glad that you have have said it out loud, and you've said it now to our audience, and I think that's a huge, huge piece of your healing is to take ownership of it and to allow God to heal you in this situation. And thank you know Sharon. I want to thank you for reminding us of that because you know when we did read that book all those years ago, we actually started creating a newsletter and we called it the Business News. Oh yeah, we did. <laughs> and actually, and we Bill, have Bill came business up. meetings yeah. and everything. Yeah, yeah. we. we <laughs> Bill, Bill came up with that title because he's a very clever and creative guy. Yes, he <laughs> Do is. Do you remember he that is. you did that, Bill? <laughs> you came up with your business, me shaking his head no. <laughs> yeah, well, that was yeah, a long time ago. It was but, a long you know, time ago. It, it has had a lot of impact on me personally, I think yeah. on you, Becky, as well as Breast Friends. So I think that's an important piece. Yeah. But before we get carried away, let's get on to our wonderful guest today. 
Um, today, our guest is Tanya's Brunchen. Tanya's entered our Breast Friends world um, somewhat recently, actually, not only as a young survivor with a genetic mutation, the BRCA um, mutation, but as a woman who found the best way to begin to heal was by sharing her personal journey with others. So we wanted to welcome you, Tanya's. Thank you for being with us. Oh, thank you, ladies, so much for having me. Absolutely. So why don't you kind of start and tell us about um, uh, about yourself and family, hobbies, you know, that kind of stuff. So we get to know you a little better. Okay. Well, um, I am from Oregon. Um, I'm married. I have two beautiful children. Sloan, she is eight years old in Kingston. He's nine. I'm married to Mike. Um, we recently located back to Oregon. We lived in Texas for four years. Um, we are very excited to be back in <laughs> Texas. Texas is Arizona. a lot different, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we're super, super pumped to be back home. Um, so, um, yeah, that's a, that's my story. What, that's what is a little my, bit about you, right? Yeah, my hobbies. Um, I we love to travel. We love being outdoors. Um, I don't know. Um, Just enjoying life at this point, right? Right, 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 right. <laughs> well, sh- share your cancer diagnosis with us. I know um, uh, if I remember correctly, you're a young survivor then, right? So, yeah. how old are you? Well, okay, so in. 2013, I was um, in my 30s, 39 to be exact, and um, I felt a lump in my breast. So I ha- we had just recently moved to Portland, and um, I was applying lotion to my body, and I felt a lump in my breast. And it was one of those, my husband was getting ready to have um, a back surgery, and I felt a lump. And I knew it wasn't there the following week. I knew that without a doubt. Um, And I felt that lump. And I was like, oh, my goodness, this wasn't here before. And it was one of those moments where I was like, instantly knew something was wrong. But it was also one of those moments where I was like, this can't be breast cancer. I'm in my 30s. Uh, nobody in my family has breast cancer, you know, what's wrong type thing. Um, But so we dealt with my husband and his back, but it was in the back of my mind. I remember going down to Eugene for him to have his back surgery, looking over his shoulder as he filled out or filled out his health history form. And he was checking off, you know, um, no history of this, that or another thing. And I remember as he was filling it out thinking, Um, yeah, that's how I've always checked off everything. No history of cancer, no history of anything. And I remember thinking, you know, is that form going to change for me? Mm -hmm. And I just remember looking at it thinking, wow, how, you know what, the significance of that form? Yeah. Um, And so when we came back up to Portland, you know, we had been here for two weeks. My children, like I said, were one and two. I didn't even have pediatricians for them let alone a doctor for myself sure so I reached out to friends and I was like does anybody even have a doctor I can you know 
get in touch with. And so through friends, I found a um, OB, went into an OB right away. She um, gave me a breast exam and she said, you know, you're really young, but and usually breast cancer doesn't feel like this. Your um, lump is really large. Breast cancer usually feels like this. And she put um, a Kleenex over the top, the tip of a pencil eraser. Right. And she, and she stuck my finger over it and she goes, feel how it's hard and it doesn't move. And, and I go, yeah. And she goes, see how yours is smushy and it moves around and you're saying it's painful. And I'm like, yeah. And she goes, that's what breast cancer, you know, yours doesn't seem right. However... I do want you to go in and have um, go in and have a mammogram, and I was like, okay, I'll go ahead and schedule that. And she's and she said, no, I already went ahead and did that. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> right. And I'm like, oh, well, my husband's recovering from back surgery, and he's home with our one and two year old. And she was like, yeah, well, you really need to have this done. And I was like, okay. So um, I left that office, went right in. And I remember she told me, she goes, so this is what we hope happens. We hope you go in, you get a mammogram, and we hope that, um, you know, at that point, they'll tell you that there isn't a blood supply and everything's great. And I'm like, okay. So I get in there. Of course, they do the mammogram, and um, a doctor comes in with the tech and says, all right, now we want to go ahead and do um, an ultrasound. Oh, yeah. And so it just one step led to another, led to another, and then they wanted a biopsy. And um, the, doc, uh, the third doctor came in, and she told me, she kept repeating over and over, uh, hope, for the, hope for the best. What did she, no, what did she say? Let's prepare for the worst, but hope for the, what was it? Prepare for the worst and hope for the best. Yeah, probably something like that. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I just remember looking at her thinking, oh, that's not good. Yeah. And, but it, you know, and so anyways, she, I left there thinking this isn't good. But the one thing I do remember from everything was going home and telling my husband, you know what? I'm pretty sure I have cancer, but mm -hmm. I know that I'm going to be okay. And it kind of goes back to what you were talking about earlier, like with my faith. I, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I knew without a doubt mm -hmm. that I was going to be okay. And I got a phone call a few days later, like I believe two to be exact. Um, and I was told, you know, you need to come into the office. And I'm like, look, my husband just went back to work. I don't have time. Just go ahead and tell me. And they're like, you have cancer. And I'm like, okay, so what do I need to do? And, yep. <laughs> and that's how it, it went down. Yeah. Yeah. And so where did the gene mutation come into this place since you have no family history? How did that happen, right. you think? Yeah. So, and that was the crazy part. Like, um, I remember it, and it all happened. It was so fast. It all happened so very fast. So, um, they told me, I remember somebody saying, oh, you know, because once again, I'm in, 
Portland and I don't know anybody. I don't know which doctors are good. I don't, where do I go? You know, somebody's saying OHSU, another person saying Compass Oncology, um, where, where, who's in their naming off doctors. And um, so I, I go to a doctor, I go into the office and this is all happening within days. And I kid you not, I was diagnosed on Wednesday. I was meeting with a doctor on Friday. I had a port placed on Monday and I started treatment on Wednesday. Wowzers. Yeah, I get that. Yep. That's kind of my journey too. It was very fast. And so one of the things um, that my doctor had said to me, so like I was diagnosed on Wednesday, I met with my doctor who I adore to this day. I see him even though I don't need to anymore. But <laughs> when I when I met with him, um, his name is Dr. Anderson. Shout out to Dr. Anderson. I just adore him at Compass <laughs> Oncology. Um, when I walked into his office, one of the things that's so crazy, and thank goodness I, I had my husband with me to take notes and because I'm not kidding you. I don't know what it was, but he's talking to me and he says to me, you have triple negative cancer. And I said, yay. Yeah. I said, <laughs> what <"Yay."> is that? <laughs> yay. And he looks at me and he cocked his head to the side and he goes, yay. And I go, yeah. And, and he goes, yay. And he repeated it back. And I go, negative. And, <laughs> and I don't know why. No, I no, no. <laughs> and he goes, well, um, triple negative has a tendency to respond well to chemo. So I guess that's a yay. He goes, but um, it, triple negative is one of the most deadly. And so he explained to me how. Yeah. Those how, had to be scary words. Wow. Right. And he said, you know, you have triple negative. Uh, you're stage two. It's invasive ductal carcinoma. The good news is, is we um, feel that there's no lymph node involvement. Um, but, you know, it's super, it's 98% aggressive. We need to act now. Um, as soon as he said chemo, my brain shut off. Mm. I literally don't remember anything after that. Yeah. That's so um, common, isn't it? And I just, I just, I don't remember anything. What had happened after he said genetic testing. And again, I'm the first, at this point, I was the first person other than my friend's grandmothers who I had ever even known to have breast cancer, let alone chemo. And so like, like I said, my brain shut off and um, genetic testing. I remember coming back to my body and being (laughs) genetic testing. And he said, um, yeah, I'm, you know, with the fact of your age, the fact Mm -hmm. that you have triple negative cancer, I really think that this is a gene mutation. And I think there's somebody in your family um, who has, you know, that you inherited this from. And I was like, no, there's nobody in my family with cancer. And he goes, no, I really think there is. And, And I was like, nah, you know, but I was like, okay, fine. Let's go ahead and do this. And mm. at that time, Myriad Jeanette, um, Myriad was the only place um, who was doing, and they're they're the found they were the founders of um, the actual testing for this. And their patent had expired actually in 2015, but in 2013, um, when I was diagnosed, they were still the only um, place that was doing this. So my stuff was sent out, and about two weeks later. Later, it came back. I had to meet with a, um, 
oh, a geneticist. And I walked, right. Mm-hmm. Right. And I walked into her office and I'm always one of those um, overachievers like people when you walk into like your boss's office or, you know, um, a teacher's office and they want you to come in. I'm always looking ahead like what's on their desk? <laughs> what's, what's my score? What do you want to talk to me about? And I was looking as I was walking in and I remember saying, seeing us, um, I remember seeing um, as I was getting closer, getting closer, Ashkenazi. And I was like, what? Mm heck is that and I get closer get closer and she sits down and she says so um so you're telling me and she goes is there any chance and I look at it and I'm like am I adopted that's the first thing I said to her and she she was like huh and I was and she goes well it looks like you're you know and she tells me this and so that's another one of one of the things so with me, we, here, here we find out that not only um, with my gene mutation, it came from my father's side. So, mm-hmm. so it comes, we come to find out that my father's mother, so the paternal side, mm-hmm. my father's mother at 47 years old had breast cancer. She did not tell my dad. She did not tell my uncle, but she told my aunt. Oh. So I told, I'm the one who ended up telling my dad. So when I was diagnosed and we found out, I said to my dad, I was like, dad, um, I have breast cancer and we are pretty certain it came from our side, your side of the family. My father said to me, you know what, Tanya, you need to talk to your mother. And I was like, why? And he said, because she has breasts. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's kind of funny. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And I'm like, well, Dad, you do know how this works, right? Because of the fact, you know, and so anyways, that was a whole nother story. But um, so, yeah, it came from my dad's side. And back then, the sad part is, is, you know, cancer was a dirty secret. Like, like she said. Oh, yeah. In your grandmother's time? Absolutely. Nobody said cancer or breast, either one. Right. Yeah, she suffered in silence. Yeah. And so, but my aunt helped her. My aunt told me she remembers crawling the wall. She described crawling the wall, like helping my my grandma, you know, with her stretches and all that. But it's it's just interesting when, um, you know, one of the things that like instantly when I started this, um, so I had really, really long time or long hair at the time. And my doctor... Um, uh, my doctor told me he was, you know, when I was losing my hair, there was, he had another young patient come through and she had said, um, you know, she was beside herself losing her hair. And so he was like, you know, Tanya, um, would you mind meeting with Stacy? She's up in Washington. She's coming down here. She's having a really hard time losing her hair. Would you mind talking to her? Yeah. And so he slowly started getting me involved talking to other people you know, going through the same kind of thing. And I had found strength in it and meaning in it. And I just, it, it just started, it helped me feel less sorry for myself, Mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah. And, and it also, it just like, I remember walking in to the treatment room and I had a little bit of stubble on my head and I see their faces light up. And it was because they were like, oh, my gosh, that's what I'm going to look like soon. 
Yeah. You know, yeah. you know what it's I mean? Coming back. Right. 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 There's hope. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I mean, it, it's, that's just one, one of the examples of, you know, how I started getting into, um, just helping others. It's with sharing any way that I could sharing, like, you know, you're, you're going to get through this and this is how, yeah, I had long hair. And it, and when people say it's just hair, that's one of the, <laughs> yeah, you want to punch them. Yeah. <laughs> Shave right. your head and let's talk about it. Yeah. After yeah, yeah. That. yeah. <laughs> yep. yeah that was, you know, Tanya's before we go on, I wanted to mention to you that, um, you know, I was diagnosed at 43 and they asked me if I had a family history and I said, no, cause I wasn't aware of one, right. but it turns out just kind of like you found out, um, my dad's mom, my dad's sister, my dad's niece, who's my first cousin, um, you know, she was diagnosed after me, but we, you know, there was a huge family history. His sister had it twice, um, which is a red flag for a genetic mutation. So back then I got tested for the BRCA gene, you know, which is the one you have, BRCA1 and 2, and I tested negative. So I thought, well, how, in, how is that? How can I, how can I not have a, a gene mutation when, you know, there's so much on my dad's side. My mom also had breast cancer, but she was the only one in her family that we're aware of, and she got it in her 70s. So they didn't consider her part of that picture. But um, but then recently, you know, they came out with that new panel of, of testing, and they were able to test for more than just BRCA1 and 2. So I went back in for testing maybe three years ago, two years ago, something, and I found out that I tested positive for two gene mutations, um, not BRCA, but CHECK2 and, and one called NPN. Mm-hmm. And both of them um, uh, impact can- breast cancer and also colon cancer. And my uncle had colon cancer, my dad's brother. Now, my dad's 92. He's never had cancer. Um, so that's interesting. But clearly, we got, I got the gene from him, and they all got it from their mother, probably. Right. But we didn't test back. But I had no idea. So sometimes the family history is hidden until we really start to explore it. And I think it's probably just a good idea for families in general to be open and talk about that just it, just in case. It absolutely is. And that's the craziest thing and craziest part to me is like, you know, my father um, is the carrier of this gene. Right. And you know, so and he's 76 years old. And one in four people who are a carrier of this, so my he, he more than likely will never get a cancer. He'll just be the carrier who passes it. Right. And so I got cancer, you know, I got the cancer and so I have two children. So there's a 50% chance that they will they could have cancer at some right. point. Right. And, and so that's that was the worst part of this for me is them. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, the like that's the part that still to this day tears me up. But also, it's the part that because of the fact that I'm educated on this, I will do everything in my part to make sure that they never get cancer. Mm-hmm. Because. Yeah. Well, the tricky part is, as as you said, they have a fifty percent chance of actually getting the mutation. Right, and that doesn't mean they're going to get cancer, but obviously, it definitely increases their risk of Absolutely. getting cancer. Right, and so you know, want to make sure that people understand. Just because you have the mutation doesn't mean you automatically get cancer, but it definitely increases the risk and. 
whether it's the kind Becky has that kind of a mutation or the the um, more known ones, the BRCA1 and BRCA2. Um, and and again, the whole triple negative thing. Does, do people really understand what that means? I mean, I know, like you said, y- you had never heard of it and it sounded like a good thing. <laughs> right. Testing it's negative like, on all fronts, yeah. Right. But, but, but actually, a triple negative means that it's not estrogen positive, right. meaning the, the estrogen is not feeding it. Right. Progesterone is not feeding it. And the HER2 protein is not feeding it. Right. So that's where the triple negative piece comes in. And the interesting part is they, they are coming up with so many new um, trials. And because to your point, back especially in 2013, when you were diagnosed, there hadn't been a lot of research about triple negative because it is a smaller percentage of people who have that triple negative. Um, And I find it interesting that you're working for Myriad now, if I understand correctly. Is that right? I'm not working for them. I'm a patient speaker for them. Oh, okay. Okay. That's what it is. Yeah, and so um, basically, um, what? Yes, so um, they they have a program for patient for. Um, so they fly out to Utah, they train you, and then um, what I do is I go out with um, reps for Myriad who are actually um, employees, and I go out with a rep and educate doctors and nurses on the importance of. Um, the importance of um, genetic testing. Right. So basically, I go into hospitals, doctors' offices, and educate doctors and nurses, and just say, "Hey, look! Look at this gal. She was diagnosed, um, you know, as with as having a BRCA mutation in her 30s. Here's an actual breathing person. Because believe it or not, there are people out there who do not believe that um, there are people getting breast cancer or colon cancer or any kind of mutations in their 20s or 30s. They think it's an old person, you know, an older yeah. person disease. Yeah. And it, yeah. it's everywhere. It's not just in little towns out in Oregon. It's in Texas. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, like, um, uh, I think I've mentioned on the show, my daughter's going through the triple negative also right now, and it's come back. And what was weird about it, she had that entire panel um, that Becky was talking about that was, you know, a, a, a new thing just a couple years ago. And nothing, nothing came through at all. But when her cancer came back, she actually, the tumor was checked and it actually is BRCA. I'd never heard of that. Wow. Her first, her first tumor, nothing, nothing was, she didn't have any sort of mutation, but her, when it came back, her tumor was tested and it was, isn't that just interesting? And Sharon, you've been tested, right? I've been tested for just the BRCA about, one and two. Yeah. Yeah. And cause it was, it was 2008, I think yeah, was that's when all I was. Done. When I was tested, um, there might have been a few others, but it wasn't like the full panel like you've had recently. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, and I was, 
I was adopted. <laughs> you said that, and that was kind of comical, but I was adopted, and until about 10 years ago, I didn't find my birth mother, and come to find out she had had cancer in her 60s, 50s or 60s, late, late 50s, I think, and her sister had already uh, also had cancer, and, and uh, then she had a, a recurrence while I have known her. So, so it is fascinating where maybe there's something there too in, in that, that we didn't know about. So you guys, I'm, I I want us to kind of switch gears a little bit because Tanya's, I didn't let you know, but we skipped the first break and we are actually coming up on the second one and we need to move on. So absolutely, I'm going to move us on. Um, Yesterday when you and I were talking on the phone or maybe it was a few days ago, I get my days confused. um, You told me that you began to heal once you were willing to share your story. And I know you touched on that in the first part of the, um, the interview. So can you can you tell us more about that? I mean, when you started sharing, what did that do for you? And and how did it help you emotionally or, you know, whatever? I just I know Sharon and I have had similar experiences and we'll probably share those here in a moment, but I, I'd like to hear that, you know, that part of your story. Okay. Well, it's one of the things um I was asked, so I was part of, um, when I lived here in Oregon before I moved um, to Texas, I was part of a MOPS group in Lake Oswego, and I was asked to speak at the MOPS group. I had been, um, just had recently been diagnosed. What's MOPS group? Tell me what that means. Mothers of preschool um, age children, and it's it's through church, and and so I believe we had about uh, 45 women at the time. And so I just um, got up in front of the group and just told them about what I was going through. And I just, um, it was it was getting close to Thanksgiving. It was like, um, it was close to the Thanksgiving break. And I just shared my story. And I explained to them how, you know, the holiday's coming up and it's a good time to get together with family. And just, I was like, just discuss, discuss your health history, yeah. you know. Talk, talk to your family, share, and I just explained to them what happened, you know, how I had no idea that I had uh, any cancer in my family, that here I am, my children are one and two, um, that I could have not been here, you know, that I could have died, and all this right. different stuff, and So I shared my story. We came back from after Thanksgiving and two different women, one of the mentor moms came to me and also um, one of the gals in the group. So somebody around my age and then also a mentor mom came to me. The mentor mom said to me that she had been experiencing really bad cramps, extremely bad cramps. And she had been putting it off thinking it was a menopause thing. So she had went and talked to her doctor, ended up having a hysterectomy and found out that she had cancerous cells. Oh boy. But she did this because of my converse, because of me. Good, good. And also one of the girls in the group came to me, had a conversation with her family and found out that there was breast cancer in her family. Mm. Isn't that amazing? That just gives you that validation that you need. I am on the right track. Absolutely. 
You know, I remember we had a we had a coworker when Sharon and I were working together um, at this company, and she this gal had gone through cancer. Hers was colon cancer, but the first time the first, she went through it twice. But the first time she went through it, she didn't tell anybody. She didn't let anyone in. She wouldn't let anyone come over. She wouldn't take phone calls. She was just really withdrawn and and held it all in. And then when she went through it a second time, I was going to Merrillhurst college and I had to do an assignment and the assignment was to find out if if there was you know anything different the second time around and I mean was, that's a convoluted way I got there but anyway she I called her and I asked her if she if I could interview her for a paper I was doing and I asked her on the second time around if she what she would do differently you know what did she do differently and she says I let people in this time yeah. and and she told me how the first time she just wouldn't let people in and she was lonely and sad, and she didn't heal at all until she was willing to let people in, and that didn't happen until her second battle. Mm-hmm. And I was really proud of her for changing her focus like that. But, you know, Sharon, I know you and I have had similar experiences, you oh, know, yeah. where just by sharing our stories, I know when I when I go speak at events, for me, I love hugs. And if I get a hug at the end of a presentation, it's because I know I touched a heart. And when they hug me, they're touching mine back. And that is healing for me in a in a major way. And Sharon, I know you've had some some experience with this. And we're coming up on the break again. We could skip it again. I think we should. What do you think? Just <laughs> no, let's just we, skip it. We, we've got too much to talk about. So, Sharon, why don't you share how sharing your story has kind of helped you with your healing too? Well, my doctor, when I had had my um, plastic surgery done um, for the implant had asked me if I wouldn't mind, you know, talking to some of his patients because, you know, going for a mastectomy, as many can relate to, is pretty scary stuff. And you always um, wonder, you know, what you're going to look like. And so I would meet with these ladies. It was so cute. I would meet with them in a coffee shop or something, and and we would chat all around the subject. (laughs) And finally, I would say, do you want to just see what they look like? Yeah, you did that for me. <laughs> I know. And I asked you everything but, can I see it? <laughs> I know, exactly. And that's, I'm sure, human nature. But it was so cute because the the look on people's face was like, oh, my God, yes, please. You know, they, they totally wanted to see. Then that was bottom line, what, what the conversation was about. And you can talk and describe and whatever. But until you actually see the final product, yeah. uh, Yeah. So anyway, long story short, so I would go and show and do the show and tell thing. And but was what was fascinating for me is those converse, each one of those conversations led me to my healing. Because again, I was more like the person you were talking about, Becky, where I wasn't like I was secretive about it or anything, but I never asked for help. I pretty much, you know, was a trooper and just kind of was off work and my social people were at work. And when you're off for 11 that. months, you're kind of out of sight, out of mind. And yeah, so it was, that was really hard for me. And again, talking 
women tend to process their emotions when they talk. And, uh, and so until I really was asked to do that by, by my physician, um, it was really hard to process that stuff. So I was help. It was very helpful for me. And then of course, breast friends, that's what it's all about is being able to, you know, talk about your emotions and share that information. And when Becky and I decided to put Breast Friends together, that was what it was about for me, totally. Yeah, and it's, you know, our friends and our caretakers, and, you know, we all have a a role in that and a responsibility. And, you know, for Sharon, I know when you were off, we, you know, I was one of those people, I had no clue what to do to help you. And I know we've talked about this on the show before, yeah. but I think I think this is really an important message to kind of reiterate again. But um, when you were first when you first went through it, I said what so many people say, and that is, Sharon, let me know if there's anything I can do to help. And what did you say? Oh, I will. Thank you. <laughs> That's really sweet. <laughs> and you didn't. And and the easy thing for people like me who had no clue, you know, what to do. I didn't know what kind of help to provide. I knew you told me you would ask me if you needed anything. And so I I kind of rested in that. And the problem was um, we don't ask for help and we don't come back and say, yes, I could use some help now. And, And it's really easy. And then when I went through it three years later, you knew exactly what I needed, and um, you you knew I was a pretty social person. You sent out constant notices to our to our you know fellow employees to let them know what was going on. And of course, you did that with my permission. Um, but I I really thanked you for that, and it was it was important because I think that not being alone, not being isolated, and you figured that out in your journey. Yeah. It's if we if we can help someone not feel that. It's going to help their. It's going to help in their healing, and it did. I mean, every day I went out to my mailbox, and there was a letter or a card from from my team at work, or from somebody in a graphics department that I didn't even know that that right. maybe could they understand. Knew you, but, right, well, right, or right. they knew they didn't even know me sometimes, but they their mom had cancer, and so they remembered their mom right. going through it, and yeah. you know, just having that that feeling that you're not being forgotten is right. really important too and as part of that healing process we you know we don't want to be forgotten i think the worst fear we have sometimes is we're going to die and the world is going to go on without us in it and no one will care yeah and that's it's, so true it's so interesting it's like i remember that's i have a vivid memory of sitting on my back porch in beaverton oregon on a sunny gorgeous day and sitting there thinking the world didn't stop it's yeah. still going. I'm mm-hmm. sitting here in pain, feeling miserable, and I still hear kids on the street. I still see neighbors going to work. The mm-hmm. The world is still moving and going. Yeah, and the sun it, comes up the next day and everything. Yeah. Yeah. So before we run out of time completely, let's let's talk about for those people who might be interested in sharing their story and and all of that. I I you didn't just start to be a speaker. Um, no. you, you started with a blog, didn't you? No. It, so no. What had happened is I I started blogging um, because for two reasons. I start I start. I would started journaling for my children. I wanted them because like I said, they're one and two. I wanted them to have something that they could one day read back or look at. And so I started writing and then I start, I was, a girlfriend was like, nobody writes anymore. Why don't you put this, you know, 
put it online or put it on your computer. And then people, like I said, constantly were contacting me. My, my cousin, my, my best friend just was diagnosed. Will you talk to this person? And I was constantly looking up information for people. So I, then I put a blog together for people because I, I was sick of repeating the information. <laughs> so that's why I did it. Okay. Um, so it was basically, I felt like I kept reinventing the wheel. Basically. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. So that's how it happened. And then I was asked to speak um, because of the Ashkenazi um, Jew part. I was asked to speak at the downtown Jewish um, organization in Portland. And I was down there um, doing my very first time talking about my story. And there was a rep for Myriad there. Um, and she came up to me and she just said, you know what, you're awesome. I really think you need to go to Utah and work, you know, tell your story through Myriad. And that's how it happened. Oh, that's fabulous. Yeah. So do you do any other public speaking or is is everything do, you do through Myriad? No, I do through all different places. I mean, different localizations or like through colleges, like I said, um, through different MOPS groups. I do it all mm-hmm. over. Okay. If different people contact me or people, a dive for a cure. It's a, um, a place, a local place out of um, Springfield, Oregon. Um, just I, I did lots of different places out of the YMCA. Um, they, the YMCA. There's also uh, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the Livestrong program. That's oh through yeah. All. So sure. I've, I've done stuff for them. It's so you know just. Whoever wants me. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Well, I understand that. I really do. And, you know, because I I love speaking and I love going to different survivor events, but I also do rotary clubs, you know, here locally. I've got a goal to hit all the rotary clubs in District 5100. And at the top of my list was the Lake Oswego Club. And I finally got invited to that in October. So I want to jump in here. Uh, Sharon and Tanya and Becky, uh, maybe a lot of the listeners are hearing you. uh, when you guys mentioned the prayer of Jabez, I, I just looked it up real quick, and some people said, "What is that about?" And it is in a really weird place in the Bible. All of a sudden, is. there's this prayer, <laughs> and you go, "What's that doing here?" And I think it's to keep us awake while we're reading all those. <laughs> I think begots, so. <laughs> begots. And, and it's interesting, but so short. And and here it is, the prayer of Jabez. Um, and Jabez called on God of Israel, saying, "Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that you would ha- that you would." Um, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil and that I not cause pain. And so God granted him what he requested. And I think two things there that I want all three of you to know, and I hope the listeners will do the same. Every one of us, especially you three, have a story to sell or share. And I say sell because some people need to buy what you're saying. More information is what Tanius was saying so that she could help her kids in every way possible. When you were talking about broccoli, I was going, hey, guys, should I be eating broccoli? <laughs> and see, some of us are not as well educated and experienced as the three of you. And there are many others like that out there listening. Please, everyone that wants to expand their territory, so to speak, get out there and share what you do know or find out what you don't know. Don't right. hesitate to ask for that kind of uh, growth in your life. And uh, I, I'm looking at a map that I really hope listeners will help us with. Becky wants to speak in 18 more states. That'll she be needs all help. 50. That'll be all and 50. I want to go with her because one of them's Hawaii. <laughs> right. <laughs> so if you're out there listening in Montana, I love Montana, 
or Wyoming, see, I'm a kind of a cowboy, call Becky or Sharon and get them out there to talk. And Tanya, it sounds like you have a real uh, gift in this too. So I hope you'll let me interrupt uh, the program just enough to say, I hope you guys expand your territory. Thank, Thank you, Bill, because I think it's, you know, and again, it's it's asking for it. Jabez asked yeah, for it, and, ask for it. And God gave him what he asked for. So, but yeah, this is kind of funny. I have a goal in my life before I die one day, whenever that is, that I want to speak in all 50 states. And I've got 38 down. I need, I need no, 32, 32. I've got 18 more to go. So, um, and I keep this little map with these little pinpoints in it. But, uh, but, and it's not just because I want to, you know, be in all these states, but because there's people's lives that we can touch in all of those states. And there's lots of different ways to touch them. And I just, you know, being able, like I said earlier, getting a hug and, you know, it just means that we're touching hearts and educating. But Bill, that was a good point. You know, we talk about BRCA1, we throw terms around because we know them and we take things for granted, but that that does stand for something. It's breast cancer. uh, hmm. Receptive? Yeah, I don't remember what it stands for, but it, it's definitely the, a gene mutation. It's not about eating broccoli, but <laughs> but you know, but that's a good point because you know we we are educated on this stuff and we kind of throw things about. So um, and we are going to run out of time here pretty soon. So Sharon, was there anything else that that you wanted to to ask about, or Tanya's? Was there anything? specific that we didn't get to we're kind of skipping around we've skipped both breaks now so we're we're coming up on the end of the show here pretty soon so why don't you let's talk about your laughter and lashes because you were talking about your blog a little bit and is that where they can read about your your stories is on your laughter and yeah, lashes and if sure they if anybody wants to reach out to me um you can contact me um through you can laughterandlashes.org or Tanya Sprenchen at Instagram or Facebook. You can also email me at tanyas at gmail.com. Um, um, I can, I, you know, I love helping people any way I can. Like I said, um, I help people with all different things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and the way I feel about everything is knowledge is power. And one yep. thing that I was, you know, when he was saying about BRCA and broccoli, um, it's so funny <laughs> because broccoli is so good for cancer. Yeah, exactly. Yay, so I'm cancer free. <laughs> it's so funny that he says that. It's, <laughs> I'm just like, oh my gosh, that's the funniest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. He's got a natural ability. <laughs> he does. He and does. a low intelligence. <laughs> does broccoli so, help with intelligence too? I'll eat more. I don't know. <laughs> I, I sigh. Or no, that's carrots. <laughs> so if if you were to say one thing that's if if somebody wants to share their story, how would how would you suggest they start going about it? How they want to share their story? Um, I don't know. I think you have to, it's, you just have to find your why, find your why, like, why do you want to share your story and go from there? I love that. Yes. I guess that, that that's what you need to do. Cause that's what I did. I found my why and like, what was I passionate about? And it's like, I felt that, um, yeah, I felt there's lots of research, research with breast, with a breast cancer. Mm-hmm. But my thing was there. I didn't feel like there was a lot at the time with BRCA or triple negative, and uh-huh. so so it was like I just had to find my why and what was it. Yeah, yeah, and I guess the one thing that I 
fine too. And again, since we've talked about our spiritual beliefs a little bit more on this show is, is, you know, we all have a purpose in life. And unfortunately, <laughs> it's, it's tricky to figure out what that is sometimes. Right. And, and obviously, I believe that Breast Friends was in my purpose. Well, if I hadn't gone through breast cancer, guess what? That would never have happened. Right. Um, same with Becky. And so I, I, I do believe that that we all have, you know, something that gifts and talents that that we've been given that we are asked to use. And whether it's your voice, right? Like you right. getting up on stage and telling your story and and making it more understandable for whether it's the reps at Myriad or the or the audiences that you talk to around the country. Um yeah, making making your voice heard, I think, is really important. And nobody, I mean, we not all of us are going to be standing on stages around the world, but there are some that that is their talent. And um, but in my case, I'm not so much a on the stage kind of girl. But you know, that making a difference in that you know, bathroom as I showed and tell, right? You know, right. I mean, it, it can be just as small as something like that. Just, you know, sharing your heart with another person, I That's think right. is, is really important. And I think, I think that people honestly, who, um, who are like that, the genuine people, I think, to be honest with you, I think they're more impactful. Yeah, and I think authenticity is is really important. But you guys, we are we're out of time, so um, sorry. I, I really need to kind of bring this to a close. And you know, this I think this was a really good episode. And so I'd really like you to you know, if you're listening to us right now, share this this one with your friends. And you know, people can go online and and subscribe to our program. And it's kind of exciting. We are on target to actually hit about two hundred and fifty thousand to three hundred thousand on-demand listens this year. Um, you know, we've got people all over the globe that listen to this program. And, and Hawaii. And Hawaii. And Montana and Wyoming. <laughs> but we do have people all over. So, you know, if you enjoy this show, Tynus, I want to thank you so much for giving yeah. up your morning. Um, you know, I, I know we kind of went all over the map here, and that's why we decided to skip the breaks, because we just had too much to talk about. So, um, but anyway, it's been a great show, and we just really want to encourage all of our listeners to you know, share their stories with their friends. You know, if you've if you've battled breast cancer or any kind of cancer or any kind of trauma, whether it's maybe it's not even cancer, but you've got a story to share. It doesn't have to be on a big stage like Sharon said. It can it can be that look see in the bathroom. It can be, you know, going to your local rotary clubs and just sharing your story. So with that, I just want to end by saying we will be back next week. Until then remember, there is always hope and we're here to help you find it. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Please join Sharon Hannafin and Becky Olson again next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. There is always hope and we'll help you find it. We'll talk again next time.